Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Hello, and welcome back to the post-production podcast. My name's Rachel. And my name's Kiri. And if you're new here, this is a podcast where we do some stuff and say some things about production. Yeah, it's a very enlightening podcast. Indeed. We both work in media production, and so this is just our outlet to talk about that and talk about other, like, movies and things. So... Rachel, how has your week been? Well... What's going on with you? This week I experienced a unique peak of the intersection of finals week with hell week and also finishing up pretty much every production project on my docket. So I wrapped a short film score. I was on a set last night for like four hours um, working on a specialized media production final project shoot thing. And I officially crave death with every breath I take in. So with that melodramatic summary, how was your production week? Well, (laughs) I worked a lecture thing that also had a band and I... Oh, I had a pitch meeting for a uh, video series that I've thought up, and I don't know, I feel like I came across as a little bit scatterbrained. I think it was really just I was excited about it, and so I jumped the gun on what people were actually ready to talk about. I pitched it a couple weeks ago through an email and set up a meeting to just kind of discuss ideas and stuff like that. And so I jumped into it like, okay, who wants to do what? What should the structure be of each of the videos? And everyone was like, well, what? Uh, Wait. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do that a lot. <laughs> like when people need my ideas or when people ask for my suggestions, I overshoot what they actually need. But yeah, like more than twice, someone had to start a question or a suggestion with. So just, just backing up just a little bit, how about this? Oh, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, at least I was excited about it. What's the video idea? Uh, coming soon. And by soon, I mean within a year. Was this for work? Yeah. Oh, okay. So. Nice. Some library stuff. Anyway, speaking of complicated ways to... I'm face-palming uh, so hard right now. <laughs> to d- deliver information over media. Speaking of long and unproductive conversations... <laughs> <laughs> Today we're going to talk about how politics is portrayed through the media, which is a big, broad topic, and I took an entire class on this in college. It was called political communication, so we looked at how uh, campaigns use the media. So like, if, when, I, when we say the media, we mean like the news, social media, websites, TV, all of that. And it's, it's a whole big, scary thing, but it's very interesting when you really look into it. Because you see how, especially social media, influences campaigns and politicians' popularity and things like that. But you also see how it influences people and who who they vote for, what their opinions are. It's wild. I think 
Twitter is the most volatile place. Oh, true. For political opinions. Everyone on Twitter is angry at all times. Indeed. And no one is capable of agreeing about anything. No. That's why I left. Yeah. This week I tweeted about something and a, a very old Baptist pastor replied to it with some strong opinions going the other way. So strong, in fact, that Twitter flagged it as offensive content and hit it. Him? Yeah. Uh. Like, I had to click through a bunch of filters in order to see what he even replied. And then I responded fairly respectfully, and he did not respond respectfully again. And Twitter flagged that as well. So I was like, wow. Okay. Nice speaking with you, internet stranger. Anyways, soli deo gloria to that. The really difficult thing about social media first of all do not get your news from social media just don't true that and don't trust anything you read on social media either don't social media has algorithms and stuff that gets a lot more hate spreads faster stuff that gets a lot more comments like things that people disagree about get a lot more comments and a lot more retweets and shares or whatever so that means it gets more and more popular which means it spreads a lot quicker so then everybody sees it, everybody gets angry, it's a whole thing. So when, when you see the social media side of politics, you need to be really careful because it's really easy to get caught up in the arguments and the emotion of it all, really. Right. When we talked about this, when we talked about news in our news episode back in yeah, the day. it's very related. Um, we talked about how politics, especially current events, are spread through social media in very polarized ways. Yeah. Because polarity is what sets off the algorithm. So if you tweet something that is very extreme on one side or another, that's more likely to do well and to spread, right? Like you said with those algorithms. Thus, polarity is kind of incentivized when you're using media and interacting through media, which I think is why so much of our politics feels split down the center. Yeah, and... and I think if you actually sit down and have a civil conversation with someone who has slightly different political opinions than you, you'll find that you actually agree on a lot of the same things. You have a lot of the same values. You just have different ways of, like, different ideas for how we could solve the problems. Right. And that's another bad thing about social media is there's only so much you can say in a tweet or in a post or in a TikTok and a... A Facebook post. You can actually say a lot in a Facebook post. I've seen essays. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Screenshots of essays. I'm not on Facebook. Never will be because that's where all the hacks are. Anyway, it's really easy for people to oversimplify complicated situations. And that, that's where you need to get informed. Again, we talked about this in our news episode, but it's still good to hear again. A situation is not as simple as one headline makes it look ever. Especially a tweet. Yes. Which is why it's people get so fired up about like, why aren't they just doing this? Because it's not that simple. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's all a whole convoluted mess. But uh, some things to look out for, not just on social media, but in the news as well as uh, just watching for those biases. Biases? Biases? Biases. Biases. I think a, a, an easy way to spot biases is with the words that they choose. And like, there's pretty obvious ones. I can't think of an example that won't just like immediately I was gonna say. <laughs> become problematic. But uh, you'll notice people use 
emotion words, like really strong words. That's how you can tell there's a when there's a bias, like forced, enraged. There's this Instagram account out, out there. It's a website too. The, the website is allsides.com, allsidesnews.com, something like that. And the Instagram account is called allsidesnow. And what they do is they, first of all, they hire people from all ends of the political spectrum. So that way they have a really well-rounded set of perspectives and they gather news from all sorts of different sources and they determine based on user ratings where they fall on the political spectrum, where the news outlets fall. And whenever something comes up, they pull from a source that leans left, a source that's pretty centrist and a source that leans right. And they just put them side by side. They put the headlines side by side in the first couple paragraphs so you can see the difference. And it's really eye-opening because especially the more extreme news outlets to one side or another will use those really strong words to get people fired up. And that, that's definitely something to look out for. Right. Another thing, too, I've noticed in terms of media coverage of politics. So whether that's the news, whether that's social media, watch for who they quote. So if they're, if they're quoting people all from one particular side of a situation, that may indicate a bias there. Yeah. Because it does leave out other people's perspectives. So say they, say they quote only people from a political candidate's staff. Mm -hmm. Instead of quoting the candidate, their staffers, and then some of the candidate's critics. You know what I mean? That indicates a possible bias. Or like if there's a, a protest happening, they only talk to people who are in the demonstration. Yeah. Or they only talk to people who are against the demonstration. Yeah. It goes either way. So I opened Instagram and the first post, the headline All Sides Now uses is Texas Governor Signs Heartbeat Bill Banning Abortion. And so here it has three different outlets from the left Texas governor signs extreme six-week abortion ban into law. So there's a word, extreme. Right. And then from the center, you have the governor of Texas has signed a law that bans abortion as early as six weeks. Boom. Facts. That's what it is. And then from the right, Texas governor signs first of its kind fetal heartbeat law that leaves enforcement to private citizens. So, you know, it's, it's things like that. Just you can really, sometimes you can tell just by the headline with those strong words that are used. It's called sensationalism. So he has a few examples here, like blast, slam, bury, abuse, destroy, worry, shocking, remarkable, chaotic, lashed out, scathing, explosive, devastating. Words like that, you can really tell. So that's really just social media news. Yeah. But politics also uses the media through like commercials, websites. Honestly, I think it's really cringy, usually. When like stand-up comedians bring politics in, or or like talk shows, sketch shows, usually it's it gets touchy. Yeah, like it's not very good. Maybe this is like a ridiculous take. I actually really dislike a lot of the intersection between politics, especially political figures, and like entertainment platforms. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I don't either. Like I'm not super interested in seeing a high-ranking political figure on Saturday Night Live cuz I feel like in in many ways it kind of like trivializes their work and makes them feel like, "Oh, like, you know, they're just a silly celebrity when in reality like politician is not someone that we should blindly venerate." Yeah. as as their constituent, like we're meant to hold them accountable mm -hmm. and not to just like turn on our TV and be like, 
oh, ha ha, I love them. They're so funny. And then turn it back off. Yeah, like I saw that a lot. Like We, we would see that a lot with Obama, I think. And because like, he would go on talk shows a lot. Right. And just talk. And, and I, I think he was being, for the most part, genuine. But there was obviously a political motivation there to even be on the show. Yeah. Well, and again, like, I'm not like, I'm not saying like, oh, politics can't, or I'm not saying like, oh, like politicians can't be funny or politicians can't be charismatic. Yeah, no. Like, I liked Obama's personality. I mean, I was gonna say like, I, I think Barack Obama is super charismatic. And he's a very entertaining person. But that in some ways kind of trivializes his work when he does hold a public office. Yeah, that's not the most important thing. But that's an opinion I hold. It's certainly not the rule. Yeah, that's another distinction that you need to learn when consuming media, fact versus opinion. Right. Well, especially when it comes to politics, because so many people have political opinions. opinions. Like, (laughs) I have political opinions with several capital letters scattered throughout. But, like, I, I really do try to keep those to certain areas of my life and only like certain platforms that I use because I'm like, this is an opinion. And so if I present it as fact, or even like if I present my political opinions as who I am online, A, that's just not true. And B, it can be very misleading. Yeah, I can think of two people on either side of the spectrum each that I follow on Instagram that are very extreme to one side or the other. And I usually just like, they're like constantly posting on their Instagram stories. And I usually just like skip over those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, and that's a really interesting discussion is we can talk all day long about the abstract concept of politics in the news or politics on TV or politics on social media. But at the end of the day, a really interesting discussion is how do politics intersect with our personal media usage? You know, how much political content are we consuming? And is it a healthy amount? Or are we not consuming enough political content and thus staying ill-informed instead of well-informed? Or like, is the political content we're posting making other people like feel super alienated and unwelcome in our space? Stuff like that. I think there are a lot of really interesting questions you can ask yourself about the way that you interact with politics on your personal media pages. Yeah, and that should be up to you. Oh, yeah. And I'm not saying, like, don't post about politics. And I'm not saying always post about politics. I think, like like we said, there are a lot of extremes. But it is interesting to ask yourself, how do I interact with politics on my personal media spaces? And like, what might that communicate to other people who are using media in my personal media space? So whether that's like your Instagram followers or your Twitter mutuals or whatnot, reflection is definitely important, especially when it comes to something like politics. Yeah, for for me personally, like you see people post their stories, all kinds of things that are like, share this. And I, I don't because... If everybody is posting the same thing, first of all, they've already seen it a hundred times. So if I posted, it might not mean anything to them because they've already seen it on like three different stories. But also I want my, my motivation to be right. So I don't want to share something just because everyone else is sharing it. Mm-hmm. I want it to be because it's a message that I want to get out to my followers. And most of my followers are just people that I know. Yeah. Well, and that's the really tough part about interacting with politics online is, for instance, like something that like, just makes me feel a little uncomfortable 
to this day about Black Lives Matter, the the political movement, is how much social media attention it gained, you know, from like June through August of last year, Mm -hmm. and then how much that has died down. Like you'll notice it's become almost a trend for people to put BLM in their bios or for people to post a little black square and stuff. And again, I'm not saying that's an ill-intentioned thing. Like I think everyone who posted for Blackout Tuesday last summer did so because they probably really did have good intentions with wanting to show that they cared about and supported a specific political movement. At the end of the day, it it makes that movement feel more like a cute little social media trend, like a TikTok dance or something, rather than like a political movement that deals with human welfare in the United States. Well, you know, when, when I posted my Blackout Tuesday thing, I deleted my posts on both my accounts the next day because of that, because I didn't want it to be just another trend. Like it needed to have a purpose. It had a meaning a meaning. So like on this day, I am showing my support and then pulling it back so that more meaningful information can be shared. It's not just there on the internet for show. I'm really careful about stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's definitely something to watch out for. Yeah, sorry for the whiplash, everyone. We just went from Orlando Bloom to VeggieTales to politics. Yeah, honestly. (laughs) Especially if you're binging this show right now. Right. (laughs) It's been less than two hours and here you are. Yeah, honestly. Well, and okay, and one thing I will say too is like, I think the conversation about politics and media really depends on where you are in the world. Mm -hmm. Obviously, our takes on politics and media are very much going to ride on the fact that we are in the United States currently, and we've been US citizens our entire lives. So a lot of our conversation about politics and our our views on posting about politics are very Western-centric and very America-centric, right? Yeah, and it's all based on how you were raised, how you feel about how you were raised. Right. How your your social class really and like all of that. It's it's all influenced. Sometimes other people are better at putting things into words, and I think that's why stuff gets shared. True. That's that's a really so good point. Why because it's like, ah, yes, that is how I feel about this. Thank you for putting that into words. Mm. I will share this to show that I that this is what I think. But um uh, here's the thing. It's okay to change your opinions. Yeah. It, you you grow, you learn, life happens, you learn more about things, situations change, your opinions can change. Your opinions do not define you. They are just there are things you carry around in a box. Yeah. There's a YouTuber that described it that way. Well, and like one one example of this might be, for instance, like it was, it was more than a month ago, I think. I shared something on my Instagram story about someone who died in police custody. It was a very sad situation um, and stuff like that. And I shared it pretty quickly after it happened. And I felt very strongly about it based off of the facts that were public at that time. And then unfortunately within the week, like, more information was released. And I realized very quickly that the infographic that I had hit share on, because I agreed with, was actually factually incorrect. Um, And that was really tough because I had even like had a conversation with someone who disagreed with me about me choosing to post that. And I was like, no, like, you know, this, this is a really sad situation based on this, this, and this. 
And the facts that were reported initially were incorrect. That made the situation no less sad once those things were corrected in the news. But it was definitely one of those things where not only was the thing I hit share on inaccurate, it was also something where my opinion did change, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's tough. That's why we've talked a lot on this podcast in our news episode and then now about like, hey, do your research. Yes. Because even in that case, like I had read all the news that had come out. And I had formed an opinion based on what I thought was a very well-researched pile of information. And then it turned out to be inaccurate, which is the hard part about interacting with politics online. Because at the end of the day, there really is only so much online. Yeah, and I, I as a personal rule, am fairly slow to forming opinions because of things like that. Because I don't want to just read one article and then form an opinion. I want to see what else comes out about it and try to get whatever context is available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's hard. And it's a lot of work. And not everybody has that kind of time and mental space. Yeah. Uh, which is why tweets are so easy to just accept and share. <laughs> so yes, be, be vigilant. Well, and you live and you learn, right? The, I think the more you interact with politics... And even the more you share about politics online, because there's a huge difference between just reposting and then, you know, writing about your own opinions online. Because, you know, I'll tweet about my political opinions here and there because Twitter tends to be where I do talk about politics because it's where politics are talked about more publicly. But I feel like I've, I've learned a lot from the experience of talking about politics in a more public forum because... You, you learn so much from talking about politics in that space. But at the end of the day, how much emotional capacity do you actually have to talk about and research and think about politics 24-7? Yeah. Not that much if you're living a balanced and emotionally healthy life. Yeah, and that, that's the thing. It's really easy to get burnt out because it, like, it feels like there's a new shooting every week, oh, at least. Yeah. And, and we, we see posts about it like, this person was shot share this and it's like it's and it's it's sad i'm not gonna sugarcoat it it's it sucks but it can lead you to get very emotionally burnt out Mm -hmm. in psychology i think it's called compassion fatigue because you can't help everyone and that's a sad reality of life so it's it's okay to just step away from the phone and breathe for a minute You don't have to share absolutely everything. Share what's on your heart, what's on your mind, and make sure that you really want to. Make sure your motivations are in the right place Yeah. when you're sharing something political or when you're spreading news. Yeah, and going back to especially world politics, really are filled with so much nuance and have such large historical context that it really is tough to accurately share information about those situations in such a short format. Yeah. You know, even if you're on Facebook and you have the time and energy to write an essay Karen. on your Facebook page, the reality is that online media truly does not have a lot of capacity for you to hit every single political and historical and international nuance of a big situation. And a lot of the opinions you're going to get on social media are from just people. Precisely. Who are are just normal people who don't know any more than you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (sighs) Be careful on social media. That's the whole message of that. Yeah. So something I learned a lot about in 
the class I took, just completely detracting from social media, in the class I took, political communication, is campaign websites. Who actually goes to those? Nobody. Really? <laughs> I Well, no, th- there are people. Oh, okay. Because I feel like I've spent an inordinate amount of time on... <laughs> campaign websites but i'm also a dweeb so but right like the only people who actually go to campaign websites are politics nerds and students i am both yeah <laughs> so it's it's really interesting to see how different politics like you have the those campaign websites that are stuck in 2007 and you have those that leaned a little too hard into the modernized <laughs> themes that it's so hard to navigate mm, yeah like pretty much every campaign website has like the the whole background is a picture of a crowd at a rally, and then there's a like a sign up to join our campaign thing on the side, and then whatever the politician's motto is in the center, and it's all every single one, and it's either blue or red, of course, or both. Yeah. What like what specifically did you guys talk about in political communication when it comes to campaign websites and the way that political candidates use media? Well, it was our term project, in fact. Uh, this was in the fall of 2018. So we were following the midterm elections, which ended up being like a really historic election, actually. And so we each followed a race. So I followed the Florida... Senate race. Ooh. And boy, was that spicy. It was as spicy as a word for it. I was going to use your word crunk. Uh, that's even better. <laughs> it was uh, the Republican won, but it was a, an incredibly tight race. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine. The whole way. Like, I had no idea who was going to win. Like, the whole term project was compare the two, how they used media, how they used their websites, social media, both of both of my guys were on social media, and they were just roasting each other back and forth. It was hilarious to me, because both of these guys are like over 70. And they were on Twitter, oh my. at least over 60. And that, you know, they were on Twitter, roasting each other's wives. I think there was one that <gasps> no back and forth, I was like, Oh, my gosh, <laughs> this is incredible. Anyway, it, it was it was wild. Their websites were also incredibly similar. I'm sure. And it was, yeah, it, Florida, man. Okay, I will say, one of my favorite campaign websites I've ever been on in terms of just ease of access was actually Pete Buttigieg, who ran for president. Is that how you say his last name? I can never yeah. remember how to say it. That's how I've heard it said... Again, I could be incorrect, so... Because I always read it as Buttigieg. Listener, please correct me if I'm wrong, but I've heard it pronounced Buttigieg. Yeah, his his website, unfortunately, was red, white, and blue, as they all are. Well, you know, America. But it was very easily, like, a, a lot of the sections were collapsible, so you could navigate through all of his political opinions and policy proposals in the space of like one page where you could open and close specific sections. And it was so nice because like you said, like a lot of political campaigns, like you can go on and you can find all these nice photoshopped photos of the candidate and you can find (laughs) all these tear jerking videos about how they're saving old ladies in crosswalks. Um, but you can't actually find anything about who they are or what they want to do with their political yeah. office. There's, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and his was, it was really well designed. I had a great time 
reading through it and forming very critical opinions, stuff like that. So yeah, that's that's usually what I use campaign sites for, just to research like what are your actual opinions. Well, and then I go to other sources and see what other people think. Okay, what are the pros and cons of this? And Precisely, yeah. My, my least favorite thing about politicians is they say, I am going to do this, but they don't say how. Or when. Or, yeah, well, that's my thing. It's like, okay, you say you're going to do this, but I want to know how you're going to do it because that therein lies uh, yeah. my, where, where we might be different. Propose me a cent-by-cent cent budget, please. <laughs> well, because you could get a Republican and a Democrat who both say they want to... Save the children. Yeah, or feed the children. Yeah. How are you going to feed the children? Please tell me. How? Uh, because that's how are you going to better equip the government drones that masquerade as pigeons in New York City every day? Yeah, that's where you need to go to other sources and see, like, do a little more digging. Because campaign websites, campaign websites are obviously biased toward the person oh, yeah. that they are campaigning. <laughs> so they tend to just say like a blanket statement that sounds great and fantastic. And sometimes it's so fantastic that people don't even bother asking how. Mm-hmm. How, how, are, how are you going to do this at the expense of who, you know? Yeah, well, and that was the thing with Pete Buttigieg's website. Like, I read through his platform and I was like, wow, this guy just has such a great heart. Because all, all of the language of campaign media is structured to make you support the candidate's policy, but more so it, they vary subtly slant all the writing Mm -hmm. to make you feel like you are getting to know this very warm and fuzzy person who's your new best friend right but then when you do further research on them you're like that thing they did when they were in this public office was a little bit shady yeah or hey actually i really disagree with the way they propose to use this part of the budget stuff like that yeah, there's a really good website out there, Ballotpedia. Have you used them at all? I don't think so. So you can just look up a candidate and it'll show their voting history. Woo! So, like, whether they voted yay or nay on different bills and things. Interesting. And that, that's that's a really good resource, actually. You yeah. can kind of see uh, what, what other things they've run for or against, you know. Really helpful. Ballotpedia. Good to know. Like, Wikipedia for politicians or for politics, political nerds. So... Campaign websites are fun, but what's more fun is campaign videos, campaign <laughs> ads. True. Like, re- remember when uh, what's his face Bloomberg had like a dozen YouTube ads, vividly, just constantly playing. Yeah, if they were all like fifteen seconds long with vague promises, that that's that's something. Campaign promises are really just intentions, <laughs> not promises. True. But no one wants to say I intend to. Well, yeah. Because then everyone's going to be like, "You sound weak." You sound like a beta. If anybody is swayed to change their opinion on who they're going to vote for with just a 15-second ad, do not trust them. Fair. (laughs) Speak with them about critical thinking. Uh I say as a judgmental 21-year-old who's voted once in her life. I've voted twice. Wow. Did you not vote in the 2018 midterms? No. You were you were 18, right? Barely. Because to be fair, when I, I when I was 18, I was just becoming politically interested. Yeah, me too. So I I had no clue what a midterm was, and I had just turned 18. Yeah. So I think I had forgotten I was legal to vote. Yeah, like I didn't I, I was not interested in politics at all, but the political communication class was required, so I was like, look, okay. And it ended up being a really fun class. Mostly because of the people, mm-hmm. uh, we all got along really well. There, there, there were 
two, one, one or two very political people who would just kind of ruin the fun. But for the most part, yeah, it, it ended up being really fun. And I learned a lot. Uh, and honestly, I think I'm genuinely at least a little bit interested in politics. Not in a, I would love to run for office one day. Absolutely not. But like, I, I like doing the research and figuring out what all the different campaign platforms are. And, and, and especially since I am young and new to adulthood, it helps me form my own opinions as well. Just seeing yeah. what all the options are. And all the options suck, first of all. You're never going <laughs> to find a politician that lines up perfectly with what you agree with and how you agree with things. Yeah, I really enjoy politics, not because they're just fun and light and entertaining, but I enjoy them because I feel like I get to know how the world works a little more every time I engage with political content. Yeah. And I feel like it's like a brain exercise for me, right? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. When we engage with political media and we do some of that research, you know, every time you Google a new political term and read about it, you truly are educating yourself. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's almost a lifelong learning exercise, which sounds really pretentious. But it is. But in reality, I just really like disappearing down civic internet black holes. Yeah. And honestly, honestly, I even I got into politics because I didn't want to be uninformed. I didn't want to vote blindly. Yeah. Like I wanted to understand who I was voting for and what they stand for and know what I what I wanted to see in a politician and what I like who I think will actually make things happen. It's hard. It's time consuming. Um, and not everybody has that kind of time. So like, like my mom told me, just pick your top three political issues that are most important to you and base it off of that. But that's where you get single issue voters, which is most people, mm -hmm. where they vote for someone based on their opinion on one thing. Uh, like abortion is a big one. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge single issue or uh, LGBT rights or all, yeah, all kinds of little single things when there's so much more that needs to be thought about and researched mm -hmm. and that's where it gets difficult because everybody has lives for the most part and it's hard but it's worth the effort to just sit down and do some research right well and at the end of the day we should clarify just because politics exist online doesn't mean politics have to be the majority of your online consumption yeah and just because politics exists online doesn't mean you have to post about them right mm -hmm. just because i enjoy politics and i enjoy having political content as a pretty large portion of what i read online every day doesn't mean i expect everyone who listens to this podcast to go out and immediately love politics or to love them at all so one way you can enjoy politics is by finding horrible campaign ads and making fun of them. True. And then sending us the links so we can laugh too. One of the websites we found in that class was Huffington Post's ongoing lists of the worst campaign ads of 2018. Really? Oh yeah. A few of these are shut down now, but there's still a few that are up and running. It's, it is delightful. Anyway, so just look up bad campaign ads on YouTube and you can probably find some... They're like, they're the new Vine compilation. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. It's a great way to distract yourself, I'm sure. So this was a, a little bit of a heavier episode. I hope you actually like, learned something. So hopefully you will be vigilant with your 
social media news consumption and uh, your knowledge, because just, just keep an eye out for media bias in, in the news and the, the social media, and don't trust every little thing you read. Do you have any further comments, Rachel? Politics and media, that is all. That is my TED Talk. You know it isn't political, though. Smashing the follow button on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Some might argue that it is political. Everyone will find something to argue about, whatever. And uh, listening to our new episodes every Saturday. Yes, and you can also follow us on Instagram at Carrie underscore Jones at Rachel H and H. And uh, if you liked this episode, be sure to share it to your Instagram story and tag us so we see it. And check out our website, postpradpod.com. Yes. With that, this has been a, a, yet another political episode of the Post Production Podcast. Podcast. I'm Rachel Ball, and I approve this message. Goodbye. Goodbye now. Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC.